Every uh, January, uh, our church uh, joins thousands of churches throughout the nation to celebrate uh, the sanctity of human life, uh, that each human life has intrinsic worth because every human life has been created in the image of God. Tragically, as our nation has moved away from God, uh, we have lost sight of the preciousness of human life, uh, which has ushered in the inhumanity of abortion. And uh, since the legalization of abortion, January 22, 1973, we've seen the slaughter of over 55 million babies just in the United States of America. We are so very thankful uh, that in response uh, to this inhumanity, God has raised up uh, thousands of pregnancy centers uh, around the nation, like our own Sound Choices Pregnancy Clinic, which is just down the road. And uh, these centers are standing in the gap, uh, seeing these little ones saved from slaughter, uh, to have the opportunity to discover their God-given destiny, seeing their mothers, uh, boyfriends, husbands, other family members uh, know the transforming power of uh, Christ in their lives. And the second Sunday uh, next month in February, we'll have the staff, board, and volunteers of Sound Choices with us uh, so we can express our appreciation for the work that they're doing and hear a report from them about just how God is uh, wonderfully using uh, this ministry. Now, this morning, uh, we'll conclude the message that I began last Sunday. Uh, I shared with you that uh, leading up to that Sunday in February, when we'll have some Sound Choices uh, uh, staff with us, I uh, just want to do a little brief series of messages on the sanctity of human life. And uh, last Sunday, I began this message on life's uh, three greatest questions. And you can scan your sermon notes. I, I trust you uh, picked up a copy of the sermon notes as you came in. Uh, to see the three questions, first it's the question of existence, uh, why I, uh, am I alive? And then second, the question of significance, does my life really matter? And then third, the question of intention, what is my purpose? Last Sunday, we only had time to answer uh, that first question of existence. So I want to briefly review uh, the biblical answer to the question of existence, why am I alive? And then we'll take on those uh, two remaining uh, questions of significance and intention. In Jeremiah chapter 20, verse 18, uh, we saw the prophet Jeremiah raise a question uh, that every person born is faced with. Why was I ever born? Uh, very, very personal question. And we saw last Sunday when you attempt to answer that question, you are confronted with two inescapable realities. First, we discover that we were born into a universe that has order, uh, very observable laws of nature. There is an amazing design to the universe. It's like a, a huge jigsaw puzzle where all the uh, pieces fit perfectly uh, together. Uh, the second inescapable reality that you're confronted with is the uniqueness of man, that man is unique above all other forms of life with his ability to think uh, to verbalize, to make choices, to have aspirations, to build relationships, to be creative. He has an innate sense of right and wrong. So how do you explain the fact that you're born into a universe that has this amazing design 
and the fact that you as an individual, as a human being, are unique above all other forms of life. And we saw last Sunday, uh, bottom line, there are only two possible answers. Option one, you begin with an impersonal force and you add time and chance and poof, what you have exists. Uh, Option two, uh, you begin with a personal God who created the universe with its incredible design and created man unique in his image. The last week I shared with you a number of quotes uh, from men who have embraced that first option, that behind the origin of all things is an impersonal uh, force. And the tragedy is when you begin with that which is impersonal as the final reality behind all things, there's no way that you can find any meaning or purpose to life. Uh, One of the examples that we saw of this was Professor Steven Weinberg of Harvard University, who won a Nobel Prize in the area of physics. Uh, Interestingly enough, he was also named Humanist of the Year. And uh, he summed up up this uh, tragic failure to find meaning and purpose when you adopt option one, when he said this concerning planet Earth. He says, it's very hard to realize that this all is just a tiny part of an overwhelmingly hostile universe, which has evolved from an unspeakable, unfamiliar early condition and faces a future extinction of endless cold or intolerable heat. The more the universe seems comprehensible, the more it also seems pointless. And of course, in stark contrast is the biblical perspective. What is the very first verse of the Bible? In the beginning, what? God. In the beginning, God, a personal God, created the heavens and the earth. And if a personal God created the universe and man, then we can conclude, as you see there in your notes in Proverbs 16, 4, the Lord has made everything for His own purpose. And of course, that includes what? You. Includes me, every one of us sitting in this sanctuary today and every person that's ever been born on planet earth. And what is the Bible's answer uh, to the question of existence? Why am I alive? Well, the answer is found in Ephesians 1. And uh, three different times in Ephesians 1, you see that phrase, to the praise of His glory. You were born, everything exists to the praise of God's glory. Uh, Romans eleven thirty six reads, for from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be the glory forever. Amen. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Isaiah 43, 7, bring all who claim me as their God, for I have made them for my glory. It was I who created them. So we summed up last week by answering that question, why am I alive, with the answer, to glorify God. Why am I alive? Why are you alive? To glorify God. What does it mean to glorify God? Well, last week we said it this way, displaying the worth of God by delighting in the person of God. Displaying the worth of God by delighting in the person of God. God created you. You are alive to put on display for all to see God's majesty, God's worth. It's not for you to be center stage, but through your life to put God center stage as He works in and through you. And how do you do that? We said by finding your supreme joy and contentment in God. 
God is glorified most in you when you are most satisfied with Him. To glorify God is to come to that place where you can say, for me, God alone is enough. God alone is enough for me to know joy, contentment, and satisfaction in life. As the great theologian Augustine wrote, Thou hast made us for thyself, O God, and the heart of man is restless until it finds its rest in thee. So that's just a brief review from last week. Now let's move to that second question, the question of significance. Does my life matter? Isaiah 49, verse 4. We read, My work seems so useless, I've spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. Uh, That's an individual struggling with whether or not his life matters or not. And everyone, let's admit it, everyone wants to know that their life matters. But think about this. If there is no personal creator who cares, then we're living in a very immense, unfeeling, impersonal universe where there is no rhyme or reason for life. Uh, Jack Monod, a molecular biologist, another winner of the Nobel Prize, summed uh, this up very well in his book, Chance and Necessity. Again, another man that has adopted option one, that the beginning of all things is an impersonal force, and you just add time and chance, and poof, you have what exists. But notice as he admits, beginning from that perspective, you come to a place where you can find no meaning or no purpose for life. He says, chance alone is at the source of every innovation of all creation in the biosphere. Pure chance. Absolutely free but blind. The universe was not pregnant with life nor the biosphere with man. Our number came up in a Monte Carlo game. If he, man, accepts this message, accepts all it contains, then man must wake out of his millinery dream and then in doing so wake to his total solitude, his fundamental isolation. Now does he at last realize that like a gypsy, he lives on the boundary of an alien world, a world that is deaf to his music, just as indifferent to his hopes as it is to his suffering or his crimes. Man knows at last that he is alone in the universe's unfeeling immensity, out of which he emerged only by chance. His destiny is nowhere spelled out, nor is his duty. Uh, Most of you know Woody Allen is a comedian. But he has thought through very well where mankind stands after you eliminate a personal God from the picture, which Woody Allen does. And in an an interview that he granted, Allen said man is left, again, starting from this perspective that there is no personal God, that the final reality behind all things is his impersonal force, just adding time and chance. He says this is where you end up, alienation loneliness, and emptiness verging on madness. The fundamental thing behind all motivation and all activity is the constant struggle against annihilation and against death. 
It's absolutely stupefying in its terror. And it, wind, and it renders anyone's accomplishments meaningless. But folks, I'm here to tell you, Mano and Alan, they're wrong. There is a personal creator who cares for you and gives significance to your life. Look in your sermon notes at just four incredible truths that let you know that your life does matter. And the first one is... And these are all very simple truths, but very profound in terms of their impact uh, on this matter of meaning and purpose and significance in life. First, God created you, and He created you in His image. Uh, Just follow in these passages with me. You can turn in your Bibles with me. Look at Job uh, chapter 10. Look at the uh, very first half of verse 8. Job says, speaking to God, thy hands fashioned me and made me all together. Verses 10, 11, and 12. Didst thou not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese, clothe me with skin and flesh, and knit me together with bones and sinews? Thou hast granted me life and loving kindness, and thy care has preserved my spirit. Look at Job chapter 31. Job chapter 31. Look at verse 15. Job says, did not he who made me in the womb make him and the same one fashion us in the womb? By the way, this is a fascinating statement. He's he's talking about his servants uh, that would be on a different uh, economic uh, status as he is. And he acknowledges the fact that God made both of us. And because God made both of us, that as men we're what? We're, we're equal in terms of value, in terms of worth before the eyes of God. Uh, we may not be equal in terms of, uh, 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 you know, the uh, possessions we have or the gifts that we have, but in terms of worth and value, there's absolutely no difference between one person and another. Uh, Genesis chapter 1, very familiar passage, of course, verse 26, then God said, let us make man, what, in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth and God created man in his own image in the image of God he created him male and female he created them so here we see that we're not only created but we're created in God's image and being created in God's image he has delegated authority of the earth to man Uh, And we see this even clearer in Psalm 8. Look over at Psalm 8. Look at verses 3 through 9. David is writing, and he says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, when I look at the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou dost take thought of him, and the son of man that thou dost care for him? Yet thou hast made him a little lower than... uh, than God, and dost crown him with glory and majesty. Thou dost make him to rule over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, oxen, all the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the pass of the sea. O Lord, our, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all of the earth. So one thing that gives your life significance is that you're the unique creation of God, and you're created in God's image. The second thing we see is creating me, God knows me. Creating me, 
God knows me. We won't turn to Jeremiah 1.5 just due to our time constraints, but you're for, many of you are probably familiar with that verse. Uh, Jeremiah wrote, or God is speaking to Jeremiah in this verse, and he says, before I formed you in the womb, what? I knew you. Before I formed you in the womb, Jeremiah, I knew you. And in God, in his omniscience, he's foreseen every person's birth, and he knows you intimately. Look at Psalm 139, the psalm that the choir just uh, sang about. Um, An incredible psalm. He begins by saying how God knows him intimately. He, that God knows everything about him inside and out. Look at, look, begin at verse 1. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou dost know when I sit down and when I rise up. Thou dost understand my thought from afar. Thou dost scrutinize my path and my lying down. And art intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue. Behold, O Lord, thou dost know it all. Thou hast enclosed me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. He says, God, you know me intimately. And then he goes on, the next verse is, he says, not only do you know me, but it's impossible for me to escape being the focal uh, focus of your concern. It's impossible for me to escape your presence. For wherever I turn, wherever I run, there you are. And so then you, the question is raised, why? How does God have such knowledge of man as an individual. Why is man as an individual, why has man as an individual become the focal point of all of God's love and concern? And he gives the answer in verse 13, because thou didst what? Form my inward parts. Thou, thou didst weave me in my mother's womb. I will give thanks to thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works, and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from thee when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth, a poetical allusion to his mother's womb. Thine eyes have seen my unformed substance, and in thy book they were all written, the days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are thy thoughts to me, O Lord. How vast is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with thee. So your life has significance because you've been created by God in his image. And God creating you knows you intimately, everything about you. By the way, that's why the psalmist ends the psalm the way he does. He recognizes the fact that Nothing is hid from God, that he can't run from God. So what does he do? He stops, looks up at God, and he says, God, what? Search me and try me. Uh, A a plea uh, for him to know uh, holiness and righteousness and to know his maker. Look at the next point. And knowing knowing me, he values me. And this is where it really begins to get good. God not only created you, God not only knows you, but... He also values you, with, despite the knowledge that he has of you. I mean, he knows you warts and all. He knows you the good and the bad, and yet he values you. Look at Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. Look at verses 29, 30, and 31. It says, Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet not one of them will fall to the ground 
apart from your father. That expression is probably an Aramaic expression that, that's not talking about the death of the sparrow, but he's talking about the fact that a single sparrow can't even light on the ground apart from the father's knowledge and care. And think how many sparrows there are in the world. And he says, not a single sparrow can even light on the ground. Think how many times a sparrow lights on the ground in a given day. He said, that little sparrow can't even light on the ground apart from the father's knowledge and care. And then he applies it, verse 30. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered, some more than others, but they're numbered. Therefore, he says, do not fear. Notice, you are of more what? Value than many sparrows. And then look at Mark 10, verse 45. It says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a what? A ransom for many. You were so valuable to God that he was willing to offer his Son as the ransom price to deliver you from sin, to deliver you from being a captive in the devil's camp. Look at First uh, Peter chapter 1, another beautiful passage that shows just how valuable you are to God. Verses 18 and 19 says, Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. Now go back to the illustration of the sparrow. If that little sparrow can't light on the ground apart from the Father's knowledge and care, how much do you think God cares for those that He was redeemed by the precious blood of His Son, Jesus Christ? And so God not only created you, He not only knows you, He values you, and valuing you, He what? He loves you. That last thing, valuing me, God loves me. Look at Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, verses 6, 7, and 8. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So what gives life significance? Why can I say your life matters? Because you are the unique creation of God. And being created by God, God knows you intimately. And knowing you intimately, He values you. Values you enough to give His Son as a ransom to secure you for Himself. And He values you because what? He loves you. Despite the fact that you are a sinner. Make sure you get the next statement down in your notes. Does my life matter? Yes, because I was made to be loved by God and to love Him forever. Isn't that a great simple statement that should have a profound impact on every one of our lives? Does my life matter? The answer is yes, because I was made to be loved by God and to love Him forever. Look at 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10. God showed how much He loved us by sending His one and only Son into the world so that we might have eternal life through Him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be a sacrifice for our sins. And then 1 John four nineteen, we love because He first loved us. So you were made to be loved by God and to love Him 
forever. Now, I need to just emphasize a very important point before we move on. You know, there have been thousands of books written on self-esteem and how to find significance in life. Uh, We are taught in innumerable ways that love means giving someone a mirror and then helping them feel good about themselves. But folks, that is not the way that God loves us. God loves us by saying, look at me. Become lost in the wonder of my great grace for you as a sinner. Stand in awe of the immeasurable breadth, length, height, and depth of my unconditional love for you. You know, to try to make people feel good about themselves by looking at themselves, by looking at themselves alone is like taking someone to the Grand Canyon or to the Alps and then locking them up in a room full of mirrors. That's exactly what that's like. See, God loves us by freeing us from the bondage of self to admire Him. See, many have twisted the Scripture to teach self-esteem, but the the Scripture actually teaches God-esteem. You don't look to self to find significance. You look to God And you spend the rest of your life just becoming lost in the awe and the wonder of His great love for you, a sinner. And that's where you find significance. Again, in the fact that He created you. And that knowing you, again, warts and all, He values you. And values you enough to love you by giving His Son for you. And don't miss that word forever in the statement, I was made to be loved by God and to love God forever. You want to know how much you matter to God? You matter so much to God, He wants you to be with Him forever. That's how much you matter to God. He wants you to be with Him forever. And God is so great, it will take us eternity to explore, discover, and admire, and praise the beauty of His character and the greatness of His power. Now, quickly as we close, and I'll be very, very quick, the question of intention. Uh, this all comes together very neatly. What is my purpose? You know, one of the greatest atheist uh, philosophers was an Englishman by the name of Bertrand Russell. He was intellectually honest enough to say, unless you assume the existence of God, the question of life's meaning and purpose is irrelevant. And that statement is true. And because most people don't submit to God, they aimlessly wander through life never understanding their purpose. And the tragedy is, if you do not know something's purpose, it's likely to be misused or abused. And that's why there are so many wasted and wounded lives on planet Earth. So do you want to find your purpose in life? Well, look at Colossians 1 verse 16. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible and invisible, everything got started in Him. What's the origin behind all things? Not an impersonal force, but a personal God, and finds its purpose in Him. And that next statement says it. I find my purpose by knowing God. It stands to reason if God created me, knows me, values me, loves me, I'm never going to know my purpose until I discover my Creator and submit to the purpose for which He created me. Uh, I can illustrate it this way. Let's say you come across a piece of uh, machinery or a a tool that you've never seen, you've never heard of before. Well, how do you discover its purpose? How do you know how to properly use it? You have to talk to the creator. You have to talk to the inventor. You have to read the owner's manual. 
And in the same way, the only way to discover your purpose is by coming to know your creator, talking to your creator, looking to the owner's manual, which is what? The Bible. Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. John 17.3, this is eternal life that you may know, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And again, we mistake to define eternal life as this quantity, length of longevity of life. That's a quality of life that we come to know in a relationship with Jesus Christ. In Ephesians 2.10, for we are what? God's masterpiece. You are God's masterpiece. And He created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things He planned for us to do long ago. So, for the last two weeks, we've looked at the question of existence. Why am I alive? The answer, I was created to glorify God. Uh, The question of significance, does my life, life matter? And the answer is yes, because you were made to be loved by God and to love Him forever. And the question of intention, what is my purpose? I find my purpose by getting to know God. And I think this just lays a good foundation for our sanctity of life emphasis as we go forward. Father, again, thank you for the truth that has been shared today. And Father, I pray that this would not be just a mental exercise, but that we would know its profound impact upon our hearts and upon our lives, that we would see that We, our lives do have purpose. They do have meaning. And that purpose and meaning is found in you. So, Lord, thank you that you are our creator. And being our creator, you know us. And knowing us, you value us despite our sin, uh, despite our frailty, uh, despite our sinful humanity. And thank you, valuing us, you loved us. And so, Lord, may we uh, truly glory in your love for us, your grace for us. And may we spend our lives uh, putting you on a pedestal, exalting the Lord Jesus Christ as we delight in you and find our supreme joy, contentment, and satisfaction in you. For it's in Christ's name we do pray. Amen.